1: Hi, welcome back to In The Pink with Bose, helping you stay connected throughout the lockdown and beyond. And don't forget, you can still win a pair of those Bose noise-cancelling headphones. Just make sure that you leave a comment in um, on Instagram, on either the In The Pink page or my own personal page. Put the hashtag Bose, tell us a story about lockdown, tag some friends in, rate, review, subscribe, and we will pick winners from those who message us okay next up on the show is a cricket world cup winner he is a lovely lovely man who has endured terrible personal tragedy as a boy before building a seriously impressive cricket career i am talking about johnny bairstow hear all about his career and his life now on in the pink well, hi, Johnny. Good to see you. You're looking um, fit and strong and healthy. I believe you've just come off a run. Didn't, uh, obviously, had haven't gone very far She's you're not sweating nearly enough. How have you oh, been coping with the lockdown?
2: Uh, yeah, it's been all right, actually. Um, it's quite nice to spend a bit of time at home, uh, having had pretty much six nights at home since October leading into the, leading into the lockdown. So uh, getting used to the house, getting used to being at home, spending a few nights in your own bed's actually been quite nice.
1: That is crazy. You are probably the only person that's actually going to be longing for all this time at home because you just haven't had it for so long. You'll probably have more time in lockdown in consecutive days than you will in like the next three or four years.
2: Yeah, potentially, hopefully if everything goes well. I mean, it doesn't mean that I've got to do all the tidying jobs and the, uh, the sorting out of old clothes from when, when I moved two years ago into the house, which I've kind of avoided until now. But yeah, it's, uh, it is nice to be at home.
1: I do think that you go into these situations with really good intentions and actually the reality is you don't get that sort of stuff done. I'm just telling you now. It's possible. you <laughs>
2: have so far, but we are only week one in. Come week six, there's no chance I'll still be doing it.
1: Exactly. So what have you been doing? How have you been structuring your time? What have you learned about yourself?
2: Um, I've been doing a lot of stuff in the garden, like just being in the fresh air because generally playing cricket and stuff I'm I'm out in the fresh air a fair bit so spending quite a bit of time out there which to my sister's frustration I've not been sorting things out like I've said but um, yeah chopping some wood up down the bottom of the garden uh, sorting things like that out cutting the lawn uh, designing parts of the garden um, that are going to hopefully change once lockdown's finished uh, and then I've actually got back into running a decent amount so um, yeah, it's been nice to get out and do a few 10Ks, 8Ks, stuff like that. and just I don't know, just get a bit of air in the lungs again rather than just uh, the shorter runs because once you're playing things, getting out for a 10K can be tricky at times.
1: What, what sort of level of fitness do you need to be a cricketer? I mean, I, I think certainly in Formula One, the fitness is very specific to being a driver. What is it for cricket?
2: Yeah, so we've actually got fat tests and fitness tests in our contract um so if you don't conform to certain things within our our fitness guidelines then you do get penalized off your contract effectively so uh, yeah there's there's certain things that you've got to to be able to to do we have a 2k run that you've got to do in 7 minutes 15 i think it is now your skills have got to be um below minimum of 70 Uh, down to 55 so there are certain like aspects of it that are um, key pointers and you've got to be able to run um, your two between the wickets in a certain time and things like that so there are specifics to to cricket but um, when you're playing so much like we are there is a level of fitness that you've got to kind of have.
1: And are you keeping in touch with everybody and sort of keeping across what others are doing and sort of trying to have some kind of coherent like cohesive approach?
2: Yeah I mean keep in touch with the guys on, on various WhatsApp groups and what have you. There's been a few challenges uh, knocking about, I don't know whether you've seen Mark Wood's dance challenge.
1: I, I loved it, it was
2: brilliant. So th- that that circulated on one of the groups. Um, <laughs> we've got a running group uh, with a few of the Yorkshire lads um, and just generally just trying to keep the spirits high as we're now eating into the season like with the F1 or it's, it's eating into your kind of work time your game time and uh, yeah hopefully it does come around that we do get half of the season in um, but as we know at the moment everything is so up in the air uh, we don't know as and when certain restrictions will be lifted as and when certain tests will be available um, and whether it will be behind closed doors whether it will be uh, played at all.
1: That's the problem, isn't it, with both cricket and Formula One? Is just the amount of travel required. And actually, we may flatten our curve in this country, but actually, if you're talking about touring um, other countries that might not be in the same position, or might be a few weeks behind, or even months behind, that's where the problem comes in. But anyway, let's not talk any more about Corona because I think it's driving everyone nuts. So we're going to have a bit of escapism now and just talk about you and your life and your career. And reveal a bit more about Mr. Johnny Bairstoke. Okay, so let's start with. Don't your too much. Nah, I don't believe you. Um, let's start with your book, A Clear Blue Sky, yeah. which is incredible. Did, how, how was writing that? How kind of therapeutic was it for you?
2: Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was different. It was very different, to be honest with you. Um, first of all, when I got asked to do it, I was quite unsure about it, to be honest. Um, because it wasn't just me that was going to be affected with it. It was obviously my mum, my sister, my grandma, uncle, my brother, uh, et cetera, uh, close family, friends. So it wasn't just a decision that was made by me to do it, because, as I say, it wasn't just me that was going to be affected by it. So, um, yeah, it was...
1: Explain to those who don't know um, about about the tragedy that you endured at such a young age that that was such a sort of key part of the book and, and your life obviously
2: yeah so um basically dad committed suicide uh when i was 8 um and uh, at the same time mum had breast cancer so uh mum basically had a choice to make and um she was amazing in in the choices that she made um how strong and brave she was in the decisions that she made in in bringing us up and look dad played cricket for Yorkshire England I uh, played for Yorkshire for 20 years. So the legacy that he kind of had uh, and left uh, was um, there for all to see. Uh, there was a lot of people uh, that turned up at his funeral, his memorial service. Um, and yeah, there were the different ups and downs that that, that go with that. Uh, w- whether that be growing up in an environment of playing sport, um, whether that be playing different sports, because I played a lot of different sports growing up. Uh, And then cricket was the one that that came to fruition, um, kind of underlying all the way through. And then the story continues.
1: Yeah, you were very talented at both football and rugby, as well as obviously cricket. But did did you feel a sense that you needed to do it for your dad to follow in his footsteps? to to play? I don't think so.
2: I don't think so, to be honest with you. No point was uh, mum ever really a pushy. Uh, kind of parent she never said, right? I want you to do this. I want you to do that. It was a case of just whichever way the the dice rolled, to be honest. Um, and then the opportunity came around for me to uh, get my first contract um, at at Yorkshire. Um, and look, you're not going to turn a professional contract down. Um, that's that's something that you put all your hard work in for. That's something that is reward for all the hard work and all the miles that uh, Mum had put in and grandpa and grandma had put in uh, and my sister traveling around, doing her home with the back of the car, um, standing on freezing cold touch lines, playing football, rugby, helping out with the tees, playing cricket. It's all of that stuff that culminates into that, that moment of uh, gaining, a, gaining your first contract and then you've got a choice of, of how much you want to throw at it to, to potentially uh, change your life effectively.
1: Do you think that um, you were more talented at cricket than rugby or football? Were were rugby and football ever sort of feasible career options for you, do you think?
2: I think the Probably not football. Look, I don't think you can tell 100%, to be honest, uh, because that's something that um, I didn't give my all to when it comes to rugby. So it would be difficult to tell, but um, it was the right choice. It was the right choice. It was the right decision, and um, I'd like to hope it was the right choice with uh, things that have happened since since taking that. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely think it was the the right decision, and it was always kind of the underlying uh, one from age eleven when I was um, uh, on the kind of on the pathways in, in, into the Yorkshire setup. But it was quite funny actually because and district I went to school. Uh, um, in York and they didn't pick me for the York and district under elevens. But because I was born in uh like Bradford, Leeds or whatever, they were like, Well, actually do you know what? If you've not picked him I'm gonna pick him and the first game that we played for Leeds and district was against York and District.
3: And I ended up in a load of
2: runs. <laughs> and the uh, the coach coach from the other side was like, You can't pick him. Like you can't do this, you can't do that and the um, the uh the coach from the Leeds and District, Keith Dixon, just turned around and was like, "Well, it's not your, it's not my fault you didn't pick him. I picked him, and he's he's proven you wrong. So, crack on."
1: Um, you talked about it being a collective decision to write the book. Do you think it was collective therapy as well? Do you think it has helped you all as a, as a family? I know you're very close to, to your mum and your sister, particularly.
2: I don't think, we, to be honest with you, we've not spoken a huge amount about about it. We we all know kind of what happened and and everything. I think it's more the experience of knowing that you've helped other people, uh, the messages that um, that I've received from a, a lot of other people um, saying thank you, you've enabled me to then speak to my family about something uh, that's happened previously, whether that be an illness, uh, whether that be them themselves feeling a bit suicidal, a bit down in the dumps. There was a, a chap that messaged me, uh, um, and said, look, after 22 years of hiding, um, whatever, it's enabled me to open up to my family about the way I've been feeling. So wow. uh, there was another one saying that from reading it had stopped him from feeling a bit suicidal and, and what have you. So um, those kind of messages that, that you get um, from, from people, uh, yeah, kind of, well, it definitely gives you a, um, a, a positive reason for doing it.
1: Um, and kind of going back through your through your life and, and looking at all the things you had, I think it's sort of the sort of thing you might do when you're like 80 or something, but when you're 30, like it seems a young age to do it, you've obviously packed a lot in. Um, did you enjoy the process of getting it down on paper?
2: Um, yeah, so it was uh, with Duncan Hamilton, who's a, f- uh, a fantastic, fantastic writer. So um, the stories and experiences that we spoke to him uh about he went and interviewed my mum we sat down for hours and my sister um my dad's best friend uncle ted um and he he pulled it all together but to be honest with you i'm not the fastest of readers as well so he was he was firing the drafts over my sister was uh because she's good at reading and also editing she was flying through it and it was like right okay <laughs> here we go um and yeah it, it was it was amazing kind of pulling it all together with the history of yorkshire cricket the, the history of my dad's career with my career the stats um and just generally pulling uh experiences together and putting words into a um like imagery as well in in the descriptive words and language that he used with it and To be honest with you, I think it opens um, me up as well to other people because a lot of people just see you when you're playing cricket or see you when you're presenting or um, whatever it is. But the actual underlying person that there is underneath um, and behind the TV screen and behind the cricket kit and behind the microphone is in many ways a completely different uh, person to... uh, to that doing it because you're playing sport to to win, you're playing sport to represent your teammates, you're playing sport to represent your family, your country and so on and so forth. But then when you get in behind your own four walls or in a completely different environment with your friends or with your family or a social gathering, then in many ways you can be completely different because your guard's down, you're relaxed and um, you feel quite comfortable.
1: Definitely. And I think actually uh, cricket fans will really appreciate the, the human story behind yours, because it's one thing to, to win a World Cup, to go out there, and represent your country. But it's another thing when you actually understand the adversity that you've come through to get to that point. Do you, do you feel that that was a big driver? Do you feel, did, did that motivate you, um, losing your dad at such a young age? Because, I mean, that must have been bloody hard as an eight year old boy. That's crazy. That's something that no kid should have to go through.
2: But like mum had choices uh, of how she brought two children up. Like I think as a, as a eight year old lad, you've got, you've got choices, you know, you're now the man of the house, aren't you? So you've got choices of of things to, to do around the house, to get yourself out and cut the lawn, to get yourself out and uh, do the things that you can try and do to help. Um, And they're the bits that I'll never forget and yeah it does make you grow up definitely does but uh it makes you see it makes you see things in a completely different way Mm. um definitely makes you see things in a different way and it's not necessarily a bad thing that you grow up uh quite mature as as a young lad because um you've seen things that potentially well hopefully people won't ever ever see
1: so what um were the kind of key moments you talk about the decisions your mum made so clearly you know a strong woman has supported your career and I actually just heard and she was she was made vice president of the Yorkshire County Cricket Club get her that's
2: great. Know, yeah first ever lady vice president yeah.
1: it's amazing
2: yeah it's unbelievable I mean so obviously, obviously dad was at Yorkshire I, I was at Yorkshire mum worked at Yorkshire as well for the last 12 13 14 years uh, and retired just recently so um yeah to to have that honor of becoming vice president we're hugely proud of her for for doing that um she's she's really excited about it
1: that's amazing um so what advice will you because i know a lot of people that that do listen to these podcasts we we did one with um it actually went out today with with foxy who i know you know as well um you know We talked about suicide there as well, because I recently lost, a very close to Caroline Flack. um, And that was my kind of first experience of suicide. Um, Foxy was really open with me about his own mental health uh, issues. And I couldn't believe actually talking about it, how many people then contacted uh, me and Foxy um, that had their own experience of it. Is there advice that you can give any kind of young lad or girl like coming through, battling maybe their own demons, but also they've perhaps been in a situation where they've lost a parent that that you can say, because it sounds like you did have to grow up very quickly. It's something that you're able to do, but it, you know, it can't have been easy.
2: No, absolutely not. Um, And there'll be periods that you go through that you question yourself about things. There'll be periods that you go through, you question other people's decisions about things, but ultimately it's your own decisions that you that you can affect you can only affect the way in which you think about certain things people will go through down days about about certain things people will go through amazing things but like everyone, everyone has periods of time like me being away for a long period of time and you're sat in a hotel room and you're thinking about things but then the more you think about things the more you start getting into a spiral of a decline and then you might go and have a couple of beers out of the minibar and then you'll still sit in your room and you'll still uh, think about the the negative side of things. But I think this this, um, kind of period now where we've got, say, a few weeks off, kind of a reset and a refresh and a a complete mental uh, reset of kind of looking back and maybe appreciating the things that you've done so far in your career and then reassessing and setting goals to, to what you want to do in the future because you are in charge of your own destiny. Find a, find a passion. There'll be people now at this point in time that will mentally be questioning, have they got a job? Uh, what are they going to do? How long is the isolation period going to be? Uh, how, how am I going to feed the family? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And that, that in itself is going to be pretty tough. Um, and actually understanding the way out of it and, and actually being really creative in how you want to get out of it and wanting to make the most of it when you do get out of it because um, understanding that it's not going to be an easy situation to be in but we are going to get out of it at some point and then having a clear understanding of how you want to go about it is really important. Um, and speaking to your close mates I genuinely think that your close mates through this period will become even closer because they're the people that you'll speak to they're the people that um, you'll you'll check in on you'll make sure are okay and then there'll be a lot of people that are potentially <clears throat> friends or um, not necessarily very close friends that won't check in on you and you'll actually understand that your close friends are your close friends and they're the people that you can speak, so they're the people that you can ring up. They're the people that you'll find out more about them as a person because they'll go through some dark spots when they've been in isolation for two and a half, three weeks. There might be arguments within their own relationships, families, whatever it is, kids doing their edit. Um And it's just gaining that understanding that everyone is going through something, but it's understanding that there is an end path to it and putting a positive spin on going, right, well, that's not work. So how can I get from A to B, uh, A to C via, via B because I can't go in a straight line?
1: Okay, time for Bose's handy tips about how we can all cope a bit better over the next few weeks and potentially months um, under lockdown. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? We just don't know how long this is going to last. And that lack of control over our own lives can let anxiety creep in but hopefully if we can all follow these little nuggets of advice it may just help okay first of all take time for yourself to stay centered and sane number two seize moments of calm they may be few and far between but they are out there you just need to grab them with both hands Number three, find your sanctuary away from the chaos. Now, if like me, your whole house is chaotic, then that might be hard, but there must be a little corner somewhere where you can take yourself off and just have a moment or two. Because remember, timeouts aren't just for kids. It's really important to take a little me time because it can go a long way. I know that sounds a bit selfish because I always feel guilty, If I go off and read a book or listen to some music or have a bath, or all three at the same time. But I think and hope that we all come back to our jobs in the house, with the kids, with our family, as better mothers, better partners, more productive, if we have taken a bit of time out. Cabin fever is real. So one way to smash that oppressive feeling is to learn something new. Take up a new hobby, for example,
3: Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
1: Don't resist and fight the new norm. Embrace it. Shape it to suit you. For example, you could move rooms, change the layout at your home, create a new space dedicated to your new hobby. Make working for home work for you. Don't be afraid of the silence. If indeed it exists at any point during your day, it can be truly golden after all. Try to block out unhelpful noise and that will also reduce your anxiety. It's not where you work, it's how you work. So make it work for you with a little bit of help from Bose. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. We're talking about reflecting on... on... Previous achievements, past glories. Let's talk about the World Cup final. Oh my God. Do you know what? I actually only watched it back a few months, like probably two months ago, because I was listening in the car. I was driving out of Silverson, had both the kids in the back, and I was driving down to Devon and we just had the Grand Prix. I I think some people watched, probably not, because they're all watching you. And I listen, and it was so tense listening on the radio because you're relying on someone else's description of what they're seeing. You're not seeing it yourself. My God, I still get butterflies in my stomach. And even when I watched it back knowing the result, I still felt nervous. What are your reflections sort of eight months on?
2: Um, it was actually on on Sunday. There was a load of replays from all That's group it. stages on the telly. So you'd flick on and you just watch 10 minutes of it and then you'd flick off and then you'd flick back and watch another. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it was everything that you dreamed of as a as a lad, to be honest with you, growing up. Um, I didn't go to the last one in um, in 2015. Uh, so when I got the opportunity to try and get a chance of playing in this one, it was all about trying to take that and uh, wanted to be in the 15 there for a start. And then opportunities arose and that's when I ended up opening the baton. But the whole experience of playing in a whole whole World Cup, like the whole squad, um, the country, the atmosphere, uh, everything that came with it was just incredible. Um, and, yeah, that, that, that final, I mean, that will never ever happen ever again in, in cricketing terms. The, the way in which it twisted, it turned. We, we could have won... We should have won. We shouldn't have won. Just everything about it, kind of, yeah, was was amazing. And yeah, I've never heard Lord so loud. To be quite honest.
1: Oh my God! The whole country just roared. Any part of you that felt even just a tiny bit sorry for New Zealand?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are, there are a bunch of great blokes in New Zealand, and um, I have played with Kane Williamson for a few years. Uh, we as a group of players get on with the New Zealand lads um get on with them really well as well and uh, I think Mark Wood <coughs> had said in that uh, there's um there's a documentary through their eyes uh the World Cup through their eyes um and Woody says that we wouldn't have wanted to play any of the team in it because we know of we know that there's such good fellows we got on with them so well and the rapport that we have with the New Zealanders is so good. So um, for it to be such a good final and such a close final, naturally there was empathy for the result from those guys because it did go so close to the wire and there were certain things that went our way. But I think for the two years leading up to it, we were the best side in the world. So it was kind of one of those where we'd we'd almost... Earned the right in order to get a bit of look at some point, and we were fortunate that it came in that um, in the final.
1: Explain to me when you when you're walking out there to the crease to open the batting in the World Cup final, what it's like because obviously it's a team game, but in that moment you are absolutely an individual. And there is just a whole world of pressure on your shoulders right there. I suppose in some ways it's like a Formula One driver. He's got a massive team around him, but once the, the visor goes down and he's out on track, it is down to him. What does it feel like for you going out there? And, you, you know, what were you out for, 36? You, you got us off to a bit of a flyer.
2: So, basically, what, um, where the dressing rooms are, you've got to walk down two flights of stairs. So the dressing rooms, you walk out and you're straight down the stairs and it bends round and then you go down into the long room. Bearing in mind, there's spectators that line, line the stairs. So you're walking through- Mostly by men,
1: stairs. by the way, I noticed that. You never see any women in there, do you?
2: They do, women are allowed in.
1: Well, I don't see many of them, but I do think Janet well, Besto might change that.
2: Well, they're allowed in, so, <laughs> um, lining the stairs and what have you. So you're walking down, lining the stairs, and then you get into the long room, and the long room is packed. And I mean, packed. And there is this almighty roar that goes up. And as soon as this goes up, you're literally like, wow, here we go. So then you walk through the doors and out onto the pitch. And as soon as you get onto the pitch, it's like, right, okay, switch on, switch in. And like, like you said about the visor going down, and Jason and I walked out and we're like, go on, let's just have some fun. Let's go. Um, and, and then off we went. And that's when you just kind of click into a normal mentality of, this is the job that we've got. Job in hand. This is a job we've got to do. How can we try and try and get there?
1: But how do you personally specifically do that? Is it is it a visualization thing, or you just do you do you revel under pressure? Again, I'm thinking in Formula One terms. Lewis Hamilton just seems to up his game every time more pressure is added. In a way that I would argue most drivers don't.
2: Yeah, I think that everyone's different. Everyone's individual. Like you say. In Formula One, it's very much an individual uh, sport, isn't it? So um, similar in cricket when you're batting, uh, the individuality of the uh, sorry, the personality of the individual will come up uh, in the expressions when they play the shots, in their expressions, in their faces, uh, the disappointments, the how they're feeling. You'll kind of get a, a gauge of that. So um, trying to switch up and down when you're on strike facing the ball and when you're not is, is a big part of it. And then trying not to let your emotions get too too high and too far in front of you.
1: Um, one question that I know doesn't apply to you in terms of the World Cup final, but I'm always interested to know, um, it's a bit like kind of the super sub, but you've probably given some uh, warning of this like in football or rugby. But with cricket, you never know when you're going to get in. As in never. when you're going to take to the crease cause, because you never know when the last guy's going to be out. How do you kind of like keep the adrenaline pumping and how do you switch up that gear
2: yeah so in one day cricket opening the baton you kind of do get a reference point of it because the uh, either you're you've got half an hour to prepare after the toss or you've got um sometimes 40 minutes in between innings to know that you're going out but um in test cricket you may have uh three four five six hour wait because the other two have done really well or you might have a five minute wait where boom you're straight in so um having a kind of a routine that you go through as soon as you step over the uh over the pitch as soon as you get out into the middle um is something that most people will have um but again keeping that consistent can be quite difficult because if you've either being sat there for a few hours, you can be a bit uh, lackadaisical or lethargic. Likewise, if you've just had two coffees because you've had too much for lunch and you're trying to get going again, you can be, uh, uh, you can be over the other end.
1: And what about you um, when, you're, when you're keeping wicket? How do you cope with the pressure of being involved in every single ball and then later um, having to bat?
2: Yeah, look, I, I love it. That's that's the reason why you do the job because you're part of you're part of the action all the time. Um, it's like a fly half in rugby, making decisions and being a part of the action. Central midfielder in football, and the list can go on. Um, yeah, I really really enjoy it because that's how I get uh, that's how I I get my buzz. Uh, being able to affect the game. Um, it can be tiring at times, but it's part and parcel of your job.
1: You get bored if you wouldn't.
2: Nah, I wouldn't get bored. Um, I wouldn't get bored, but there's, uh, there's definitely pros and cons to it. It definitely hurts though when you're keeping it. it, hurts your hands, it hurts your body in general. But, um, but no, it's great fun.
1: Um, one thing I'm fascinated by, which we don't have nearly enough of in other sports, is sledging because I mean, I know that it can go, you know, there's, there's a <laughs> lot. <laughs>
2: An intercom between drivers in F1. That
1: would be oh. carnage. Well, we, we ha- it's quite interesting, actually, because we have team radio, but you're at the mercy of um, Formula One in terms of what they edit in and out. So, um, say, for example, someone's a little bit whingy, um, but for the rest of the race, they've been a legend and quite funny. Then if they put that in, that kind of gives a bit of an unfair representation of that driver. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You tend to see... Well, my grandpa always used to say, you see the real person on a sporting pitch. Like, the true person comes out under pressure, is what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's um, so stunt microphones in cricket, so they've uh, kind of taken away most of the sledging, to be honest with you. Um, so now if you swear anywhere near the stunt microphones or anything, you get fined. Uh, everything that can everything's picked up now around the stumps within about 20 foot so unless you've got a good crack and a bit of banter then you kind of just show up
1: and don't bother do you remember any of your best sledges either to, by you or at you
2: probably not suitable for uh, <laughs> um, being said on camera if i'm honest with you
1: boring um okay i just want to talk about the um the combination of characters that you seem to have in cricket I find it really interesting that again when I compare it to Formula One or rugby or football you tend to get a type of person going into those sports but for me looking at cricket there genuinely seems to be an eclectic mix of characters whether it be uh, backgrounds religions cultures whatever it is how difficult is that what first of all do you think that that's fair Do, do you think that's a you agree with me on that and and do you think it's hard therefore to kind of pull them together and create a glue between those those guys in the dressing room
2: look I, I completely agree with you people from all those different backgrounds uh cultures like you say do all come together and that's the that's the amazing thing about cricket it can bring people uh together from so many uh, aspects of the world um some that have come from Affluent backgrounds, some that haven't come from affluent backgrounds, some, as I say, uh, from from different races, religions, or or anything. And I don't think it it's something that's too difficult at the at the present moment. We've during that World Cup, we we've had um, everything like you've just mentioned within that, and the glue that that cemented everyone together was uh, was united, and that was what pulled us together as a squad. Um, And I think from a very young age. Um, understanding other people's uh, other people's um, beliefs and uh, and their own way of life is is very important because uh, you can you can be playing with people for twenty years like um, Mark Wood and I the first time we played against each other we were eleven years old. Um, Ruti and I, uh, Adil Rashid, first time I played with him, he was fifteen and I was thirteen. So There's there's many, many years that you get to know um the lads the the lads' families and and everything.
1: And I guess it sort of helps you grow as a person as well as a cricketer, trying to understand people from different cultures. We could probably all learn a bit from that, couldn't we?
2: Look, I think that um in the grand scheme of things, absolutely. I think understanding people in general, um, Uh, can be quite tricky at times Um, and sometimes uh, there may be people that are misunderstood for for various reasons. Um, But at the same time, I think cricket's relatively good at bringing people together. Um, There's a few different campaigns, cricket has no boundaries and um, there's a a few other ones that uh, is really looking at getting people into cricket from uh, a very diverse backgrounds, and we're lucky that when we go to these places all around the world we're able to go and see firsthand the, the passion and love for the sport um, when when we go over uh, to a different places around the world.
1: I think that's the thing isn't it with, with the corona I said I wasn't going to mention it again sorry but it, it has made us sit back and realise just how much we love sport when we haven't got it you know you only miss what you've no, hang on. You only, yeah, you know what I was trying to
2: say. Yeah, something when you haven't got it. There you go. Yeah. I,
1: you can see I'm I, slowly losing my mind being in isolation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree with, with you on that one. But I also think that you begin to appreciate what we have uh, by playing sport and the smiles on people's faces when you are doing it as well. I think that that's a big, will be a big part of it when people get back to playing sport because the enthusiasm that people will have when they're coming to watch or participate or play on the village green or play for the local clubs will be um, amazing and have a huge impact on uh, villages, towns, um, and cities, countries across the world again.
1: In the Pink and bows, really want to help during this lockdown. Now, whether we can or not is another question, but we can try. And we're going to do that by giving away some more Bose noise cancelling headphones. To win them, just share mini anecdotes from your time in lockdown and give us some feedback on this series. Always put in the hashtag Bose and tag in a couple of mates to do the same. And you never know those headphones could be yours. Good luck. Stay safe. And stay connected have you got any idea I know it's a way off yet but have you got any idea what you want to do after cricket
2: um, look there's a, there's a couple of ideas I'm trying to put a couple of bits in place uh, I want to learn about different uh, ways to start up certain businesses um, I want to uh, potentially have a couple of properties in order to then make the transition uh, slightly easier in terms of uh, when it comes to, okay. do I have to rush into doing things um, I'd like to go into television at, uh, if I can uh, because I enjoy um, going to sporting spectacles and watching live sport and um, being around people that are doing things at the highest level um, because at the day there's a reason for people being out on, on the pitch, playing for their country playing for their city um, playing for themselves or doing individual sports themselves like the Olympics and the hard work they've put in for the four years and being around them, I think gives you a really positive energy and um, a sense of uh, pride that that they're having every time that people take the field.
1: Um, Do you think that cricket's in a good place, okay, bar the current circumstances? um, I would go as far as saying that that cricket World Cup final was the best sporting occasion not just best cricketing moment I mean it just as you say had everything even if you're not a cricket fan you can't help to be thrilled by what you saw and it it feels that um, from the outside looking in that it's cricket's kind of finding its way it's evolving to an extent do you you feel like it's in a good place do you feel that test cricket can still exist alongside 2020
2: yeah I think I think cricket as a whole is in a good place I think uh, women's cricket's uh, in a really good place. I think uh, disability cricket's in a really good place. Uh, and so is the men's game. And, and like you said, it captivated people that were from uh, different um, sporting backgrounds as well did the World Cup. Like you say, people that might not have watched it before were all of a sudden engaged with the game. Um, there'll have been uh, young girls and boys um, that that pick up a cricket bat from watching that, there'll be uh, people who are in, inspired by that and hopefully in 10, 15, 20 years' time, they'll say, oh, i tell you what, like, I, I watched that 2019 World Cup and it, it inspired me to pick up a bat and here I am now playing for your county, for your country. Like, just think about the 2003 World Cup when Wilkinson dropped that goal and all of a sudden for the next... Five years, I know I was one of them. Everyone started kicking like Johnny Wilkinson. Um, And it captivates a nation. It really, really does.
1: Um, And What about in terms of 2020 versus the longer form of the game? First of all, where do you stand on the four versus five day for test cricket?
2: I think test cricket has got to be five days, in my opinion. Um, I think that the best team, if you play for five days, the best team will win. Um, and yeah it's the tradition of the game that's that's where that's where I stand on it that's what that's what I'd like to hope still happens um, because it is the purest form of the game
1: Is there room in the calendar for it? Because obviously the one yeah, without, you think there is it, it, it will it take its toll on you ultimately the players it's, it's you no, that, that, that away but, from home so much and your body's Yeah but
2: that's cricket, that's cricket it's the it's the number one format. It's the purest format. It's, it's everything that uh, when you're growing up, you want to you want to play it because it is te- literally testing your your game. So, yeah, I definitely think that there is room for it without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Um, I mean, I, I guess it tests patience and strategy and application and faith. It's got everything, hasn't it? To that, and if you just shave it off the end of it, you potentially lose all that.
2: I think the, the game would be played in a completely different way if, if there was, uh, if it went down to four days. So look, at the end of the day, I'm sure there's conversations that are being had about it. Um, and ultimately, um, decisions will be made at some point. But yeah, from a personal point of view, I would like to, like to hopefully see it stay five days.
1: And what about county cricket? Where does it feature in all of this?
2: Well, county cricket is the grassroots in order to produce people that are going to go on and play for England. That's, that's the ultimate thing, isn't it? To play for your country. So county cricket is a, a, an amazing platform for people to go and express themselves and develop their games and play cricket to a very, very high standard um, to hopefully be pushing people that are playing for England. Um, county cricket is an amazing, amazing place you, to play your cricket. You play with some of your best mates uh, for a very long period of time, um, you're you living in each other's pockets pretty much all summer. Uh, you you spend a lot of time together, and you you grow up and you grow up and grow old with your mates.
1: And and what about you? What, when you go to bed at night, whether it's now in lockdown or just generally when you're on tour, what keeps you awake at night? What do you think about?
2: Um, what keeps me awake at night? Um, well, well, not too much at the moment because it's not too much going on. <laughs> uh, there's different things, isn't there? Like if you're playing, if you're playing cricket, then you you want to succeed, so you're working out a strategy of opponents. And,
1: and do you out... does that play on your mind when you're trying to fall asleep? Say you're out on tour. Do, do, do you do you try and visualise yeah. what's going to happen the next day?
2: Oh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Um, or you. I don't know, you might be thinking about family, you might be thinking about friends, you might be thinking about different things, just natural things. Um, Everyone thinks about, I'm sure, thinks about family, friends, etc. pretty regularly. So yeah, just just generally just just normal things like anybody else.
1: Well, I'm going to go and let you get back to mowing that lawn because I just spotted one little bit that you'd missed.
2: Thanks ever so much. Can't wait to do it. (laughs)
1: It's lovely to talk to you, Johnny. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Johnny. You are a hero to so many in this country and actually more so having heard your story and uh, very brave to share that with everyone, not only on this podcast, but also in your book, um, which is well worth a read, by the way. Um, Lovely to see that despite such terrible tragedy, that unimaginable pain a child has to go through like that he's come out the other side stronger for it an amazing relationship with his sister becky um, and his mum so that is certainly something great to see thank you again johnny okay so don't forget guys to uh make sure you get your comments in because we can uh, still give away five more pairs of the bose noise cancelling headphones all you have to do Is tag in some friends, rate, review, subscribe, tell us why you like the podcast, who else you want to see on it with the hashtag Bose. Uh, It's more important than ever to stay connected through this lockdown. So, um, yeah, put your hat in the ring. You never know, you might get a pair of Bose noise cancelling headphones. Um, Great to talk to you. Loads more great guests on the way, including Will Greenwood, Rosie Nixon, Gethin Jones, Kate Thornton and Sir Chris Hoy. So, loads to look forward to on In The Pink. We look forward to your company again very soon. Uh, Stay home, stay safe and healthy, and stay connected. Bye for now.
3: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.